amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me on this Wednesday, October 21st edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. We're going to talk week eight college football. We're going to talk about our power ratings for the Big Ten, kind of show you how we rank that conference as they get underway here on Friday night with Illinois and Wisconsin. We'll do some highlight videos. We'll talk about some regression stats. We'll do some box score study, all kinds of things here today on the college football side. And we'll finish up with a few thoughts on week seven in the NFL. We'll talk about Eagles Giants. I don't know why, but we will on Thursday night. And we'll do a highlight video here of Jaguars and Chargers later on in the show. Over at ATS.io, three promotions from DraftKings Sportsbook this week. Four new users bet $1, win $100 on the main event of UFC 254 between Khabib and Justin Gaethje. Uh, We also have bet $1, win $100 on any game through Saturday in the World Series. So that will go through game four. Then also bet $1, win $100 on Michigan versus Minnesota, whichever side you like on the money line there. So three great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook you can read about over at ATS.io. Bet $1, win $100 if any team scores a touchdown on Sunday in the NFL over at BetMGM Sportsbook. Yeah, we encourage you to head on over to ATS.io and check all that stuff out where we also have lots of picks and predictions uh, by college football power ratings, opening line reports in college football and the NFL Friday. I'll have the market watch talking about sharp money in the college football and the NFL betting markets. A lot of content, a lot of great stuff over at ATS.io. We hope you check it all out. And of course, check out our ATS YouTube page as well. Got some video breakdowns from Brian blessing for this week. And we'll have some highlight videos over the next two days from ATS radio. With that, we bring on professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. Kyle, how's it going today, man? It's going well, man. How about yourself? Doing well, buddy. A very busy time of year, to say the least. And, you know, things will get busier here in the month of November, especially for you, uh, hopefully with college basketball getting underway. But a lot of stuff to get to here on the college football side for us on today's show. And like I've talked about before, we've we've had some listener requests to talk about regression stats, teams in line for some positive or negative regression. Uh, we've got a lot of longtime listeners dating back to our bang the book days, and I figure we'll go ahead and start with those regression stats since we have a lot of other stuff to get to here on today's show. So in terms of looking for either positive or negative regression out of some of these teams, what are some of the stats or metrics that have kind of caught your eye this week? Well, I think um, as we get farther in the season, we're going to have more of this. And, you know, we've reached the point where we can say several that look like they're pretty strong candidates here. Um, I want to mention, uh, I guess I'm kind of looking on the negative side this week when I kind of look through my notes that I don't really have many positive regression candidates I'm going to talk about. But uh, Marshall, negative regression candidate on offense. They're 28th in yards per play. 
19th in points per game. They're 60% on third down so far this year. They can't keep that up. I know Wells has played pretty well there at quarterback, but I think that Marshall is the team that is not going to keep scoring what they have been. I think they might be an under team or a team you bet against if they're laying a big number. The other one I want to say here, and I'll just put the two conference USA together, uh, Western Kentucky actually could be a negative regression candidate on offense in some aspects. They've scored 90% touchdowns in the red zone. They have two plays of 30 30 yards or more in five games. Um, I laugh because that's really bad. I mean, I remember last year when we talked about Northwestern and their offense, how they couldn't get any big plays at all. Uh, Two plays of 30 yards or more in five games is almost unbelievably bad. It is really bad. Western Kentucky, a team that I've adjusted quite a bit in my power ratings here so far. Marshall is one I want to key in on because not only are they a negative regression candidate offensively, as you mentioned, converting 60% of their third downs so far this year, they're also a negative regression candidate on third down defensively. Their opponents this year, 10 for 47 on third down against Marshall, 21.28%. That's third in the nation. So, Marshall's probably in line for some negative regression offensively on third down and defensively on third down. And that's a runaway train line this week against Florida Atlantic. I know Florida Atlantic's had a very weird season to date. They've only played one game, had a bunch of COVID cases. My number on this game is actually in the 11 range, 11, 11 and a half for this one. So I'm probably going to wind up with an FAU ticket now that this one's up to 17, not because I love the Owls necessarily, but because Marshall does have some concerning signs for me. Yeah, um, that's one that I'll be looking at as well. I don't really want to bet Florida Atlantic there, and I assume you don't really want to bet Florida Atlantic either, but it's one of those spots where uh, the number might make you play something there. I mean, like you said, uh, this is getting awfully high. And Marshall is a good team, but they're not as good as most people think they are at this point, I think. So uh, I think perception might be a little different than reality. I think so, too. And, and you know, this is kind of a, an argument that we can have another day. But, you know, when you look at games, there are games where you want to bet on a team and games where you want to bet against a team. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to make that bet betting against a team, especially a Marshall team that, you know, is now ranked, of course, you know, it's a watered down season to date with only 77 teams having played. Um, but, you know, they are now a ranked team. They're a team that's played very well. They're a team that a lot of people have been adjusting up in their power ratings, but they are also a team here that, you know, third downs are so important because you either stay on the field or you get off the field or you, you know, force field goal attempts instead of the potential of giving up a touchdown, stuff like that. If, if you're going to regress on third down in both capacities, That's worrisome for me. So maybe it doesn't show up this week with Florida Atlantic, although I probably will have plus 17 in pocket. But again, it is something that down the line, you and I will both be looking for. Yeah, and I think we're going to catch Marshall as a pretty big favorite several times here. That's not a very good conference. And, you know, their perception is high enough now that, you know, I don't think it'll be only this week. I think we're going to get some chances uh, to bet against Marshall. And I, I think they'll have quite a few close games there, even against teams that aren't really that great. So I think Marshall could be a good look to go against. I have to say, and I know that you mentioned this last week, Coastal Carolina, they have tons of regression signs on offense, third down. Um, they're 100% scores in the red zone. I mean, they're doing what LSU did last year where they score every single time they get in the red zone. They've only allowed two sacks in four games. Um, you know, Coastal Carolina is one of those teams that a lot of times you kind of see the marketplace um, going against things like this and saying, oh, look, you know, this, there are regression signs here. 
But Coastal Carolina is really popular in the betting market right now. And I think it makes sense that you want to bet on Coastal Carolina. I think they're much better than they were last year. I like their coaching staff. However, I do think that um, people might be getting a little bit ahead of themselves at this point. I mean, this is a good team. This is not a team I want to be laying a bunch of points with because they still have issues on defense. So uh, Coastal Carolina is a regression candidate to me. Yeah, I, I love their offensive scheme. I love all the pre-snap motion, and, and McCall's done a fantastic job with that offense so far. I did upgrade them three points to kind of combine you know, the usual segments that we do here. But also last week, Coastal had 5.75 yards per play in that win against Louisiana. Louisiana had 7.5 yards per play. Coastal had the ball for 38 minutes in that game, though, which is ultimately why they won. But also, they gave up 27 points in 22 minutes with Louisiana's time of possession. So the Raging Cajuns did move the ball in chunks in that game, but Coastal just controlled the game, did very well in third down, as we've already talked about multiple times here. I love the Chanticleers. I really, truly do. But, you know, again, I do think regression is coming for them here. And and we talk about buy points and sell points and about treating the, the betting market like the stock market. Like you said, at this point in time, if you want to fade Coastal, this may be one of the highest points to go against the chance here going forward. And, and I think that, you know, we will probably find some opportunities. I don't love going against them this week necessarily, but I do think there will be chances down the line. Yeah, I'm curious what you make the number for this weekend's game. Do you know what you have on that one? Um, I think I have minus four for Coastal. I, so I actually have, I have Coastal minus eight in that one. Uh, so wow. I am a little bit higher yeah. than the market. But, you know, that's one of those things, again, as I mentioned, I upgraded them three points in my power ratings. Keep in mind here, too, though, that, again, Georgia Southern, a run first, an option team. We talked about this, I think, a little bit last week. The raw power rating number is eight with a total in the low 50s, probably bring it down to seven or so. So a little higher than the market still. But, uh, you know, I'm also not super keen on Georgia Southern this year either. I, I suspect I'm a little too high on Georgia Southern, if anything, here. I, I do think that if this line were seven, I would be tempted to take Georgia Southern here in a game of two teams that – um, kind of faces similar uh, offense is what they're going to see here. That's why the under has been bet because both teams are going to be running and playing very slowly. Um, you know, I think if it gets to seven, I'd be tempted to take Georgia Southern, but uh, not a game I'm really excited about either. I just do, do think that Coastal Carolina is getting pretty high in the marketplace. A couple of fumble luck teams I wanted to mention. Uh, Texas Tech has fumbled five times and has lost zero of those fumbles. And look, they haven't been very good even with that luck. So I think Texas Tech's a, a team that's been pretty disappointing this year. West Virginia has recovered zero out of six opponents fumbles. So I guess they've been unlucky in that way. Now, West Virginia stats, I think you have some other stats about West Virginia. Um, I think they're a little bit better. Um, they're a little bit worse defensively than they look, at least at this point. Well, and what's ironic here is that West Virginia and Texas Tech play each other this yeah. week, and, and we do want to talk about that game a little bit, so we might as well do it here now. This line's three and a half, pretty much market-wide. Total has come down from 57 to 54. I believe there's a weather consideration in that game. I think the wind might kick up a little bit or something like that. Again, keep wind in mind, keep weather in mind. And, you know, you and I were talking about before the show, big storm system crossing the country next week, lots of snow to the upper plains. It's that time of year, boys and girls. Make sure you're checking the weather forecast to either get out in front of the totals market or you know, keep in mind, too, if the weather conditions are bad, that hurts the passing game. You got a pass first team. You know, that's something that's probably not going to be very good for them. So it is that time of the year where you want to focus in on the weather. But West Virginia here, 
they lead the nation in yards per play allowed. And again, I realize that, you know, we've got 55 or some odd college football teams not in action as of yet. We will add the Big Ten this week, and we will talk about them here in a minute. But West Virginia leading the nation in yards per play allowed defensively. They have six interceptions. As you mentioned, no fumble recoveries so far, even though they've had chances. They've only had eight pass breakups, only 14 combined with the pass breakups and the interceptions. That's, you know, in the bottom third of the country, but yet they lead the nation in yards per play allowed. So, I mean, full marks to West Virginia. I mentioned I wanted to be a little bit higher on them coming into the season because I do really like Neil Brown. I like what they're doing there in Morgantown, but I don't know how sustainable this start to the season is for them. Yeah, and as, as you look at them, uh, they've played four games and opponents have had five trips into the red zone. So um, three out of five scores. Uh, this, this West Virginia defense is, is good. I think they're one of the best in the Big 12, certainly. Uh, obviously, that's not saying too much in some cases because the Big 12 defense is not very good. I do think West Virginia's defense is a good defense. Um, their offense sometimes can be a bit inconsistent. Um, they're not this good, though. West Virginia is not not this good. So uh, it's a game where before the season, I would have wanted to bet the under in Texas Tech and West Virginia. But now the line is what it is. and I, It's right about where I made the line as far as the total. So I can't bet the total in this game. I would also lean toward taking West Virginia here. But Texas Tech uh, has underachieved to this point in the season. Maybe they're um, I, it's hard to tell whether they're really that bad. And like we said before, maybe Wells just isn't working out here very much or whether uh, Texas Tech is due for a bounce back here at some point. Uh, I think this line is fair. West Virginia's 1.63 plus 1.63 yards per play so far this year. And Texas Tech is negative 0.53. Um, Texas Tech has been pretty disappointing. They haven't really uh, played a tremendous schedule so far I guess they've played a pretty good schedule but their showings in those games have not been very good I think um, Texas Tech it would surprise a lot of people to know that they're 32nd in yards per play on offense you would at least expect the offense to be really good and so far it hasn't been well especially when you consider that they're 32nd out of you know the 77 teams that have played so you know if there were other teams that had played they're probably in the 60s, you know, and, and that's not at all what we would expect from a Texas Tech team from the types of offenses that they generally run there in Lubbock. So that is something that you know, does seem pretty concerning here as we go forward. One last thing I want to mention here as far as a regression stack goes, then we'll get into some of the box score numbers from last week real quickly. Syracuse is plus 11 in turnover margin, and they're god-awful. They are plus 11 in turnover margin, and they're still one of the worst teams in the country. They've recovered eight of 13 fumbles. So the thing that I look at this and say is Syracuse has the chance to get even worse. And obviously here this week, they're a 46-point underdog against Clemson. Biggest FBS underdog role ever for Syracuse. Deserved, and that line's going up. But like I said, they're plus 11 in turnover margin, and they're still terrible. Yeah, and and last week they should have lost by more than what they did. Liberty uh, fumbled going in for a touchdown there. I know a lot of people liked Syracuse there saying, how can Liberty be laying points at Syracuse? Liberty was the right side, and uh, they should have won by more than they did. Um, Willis had a good game there. I did get the over in that one, and that one cashed in. I was a little bit worried because of the fumble at the goal line once, but um, Syracuse just cannot could not stop the run. Liberty didn't have to pass, so – um, you know, that kind of uh, plays into one of the other ones we both had in our notes as well. 
a Duke just what they get 600 and some yards, 700 and some yards against Syracuse. And then next week, um, you know, really my only bad play this past Saturday was Duke and uh, NC state over. Uh, I figured Duke could score there on NC state and, and Duke was really fortunate to score as much as they did. I mean, they, they did get stopped at the goal line once, but they blocked punts and, uh, really couldn't do anything. Uh, they didn't score in the second half against an NC, NC State defense that I don't think is a very good. So I, I guess it's kind of confusing to see Duke uh, move the ball that easily on Syracuse and all once not be able to do anything against NC State. You know, what's sort of interesting here, and, and I guess this isn't really a big surprise, but the ACC, the, the level of play has just been sloppy. You know, I mean, you've got your teams like Clemson that are really good. North Carolina is obviously exceptional on offense. They've had defensive issues here. That Duke and NC State game, that box score is a mess. Two block punt touchdowns, six turnovers. Duke had a turnover on downs at, at the NC State one-yard line. That box score was terrible. That was a bad football game. And Duke's played a lot of bad football games here so far. And, and the problem is, and I talked about this a little bit last week, I think, with Brad Powers, I've had very few plays in the ACC this season because every team feels Jekyll and Hyde outside of the absolute elite teams in that conference. And I don't know what I'm going to get from Duke, from NC State, from Virginia, from Wake Forest, from, you know, Florida State, Louisville. I mean, I played Florida State this week. My line's minus one in that game against Louisville. But that conference, I mean, outside of Clemson and North Carolina and, and even, you know, Miami laying a giant egg against Clemson, I don't know what I'm going to get from those teams week in and week out. Boston College all over the map, you know, Pitt all over the map. I can't really bet a whole lot in that conference right now. Yeah, I mean, you could argue you don't really know what you're going to get from North Carolina after you saw what they they played like last week. You know, maybe that's more about Florida State being better, and uh, Travis is definitely an upgrade there at quarterback, but – uh, I think North Carolina might be a little bit overvalued. Uh, we should have said that last week, obviously, but uh, North Carolina is a good team, but they're not quite as good as as what some people thought they were at that point. Um, I agree with you. The ACC, I mean, it's Clemson and and then Miami, I mean, which is uh, you know a pretty big step down from from Clemson, obviously, but. I think you and I both have Clemson as number one in our power ratings. And um, until somebody else proves otherwise, I think they deserve to be. They've they've just uh, looked like a machine so far. Well, and you talk about Boston College last week, and we get into some more of the box score stuff here. Boston College, minus five in turnovers last week. They were only outgained by 26 yards by Virginia Tech, but that game ends 40 to 14. Four of the five Boston College turnovers were in Virginia Tech territory. So that's a game where... Probably should have had you know more points potentially, but also Boston College probably shouldn't have gotten blown out the way that they did. And this week, Boston College in, in a really interesting matchup with Georgia Tech, where that line's now three, three and a half with Boston College favored at home. We talked about this already. Boston College is a dramatically different team. They can't run the ball. The offensive line is terrible. They're throwing the ball like 50 times a game. This is not the Boston College team we're used to seeing, but you know, a lot of self-inflicted wounds in the ACC here with just a lot of just awful turnovers all the way around. Yeah, I, I think Boston College, you you were right to say, what was it, maybe three or four weeks ago, Boston College is a way different team than they've been in the past. They can't run on anyone. So, um, you know, you handicap a Boston College thing, a game, the first thing you say is, can the other team stop the pass? Because that's what they have to do. Um, you know, it, it does simplify the the handicap a little bit. And, and Boston College's defense is better than they have been in the past because of Halfley. You know, he's a good uh, defensive mind to where 
Uh, they should be better than what they've been uh, in past years on defense, but the offense is, is all about the quarterback play and whether they're going to be able to throw it around. So I agree. The ACC is hard to figure out, especially Virginia when they uh, have it's question mark, whether they're going to have their quarterback this week. Uh, I see that line on the move there against Miami this week. Um, I do lean toward Miami in that game uh, against Virginia because Virginia really um, doesn't have much as far as backup quarterback. So if Armstrong can't go, it's, it's going to hurt them quite a bit. A couple of things I wanted to mention in the SEC here real quick as far as box scores go before we talk about the Big Ten. Ole Miss last week essentially had 11 turnovers. They turned the ball over seven times, six picks and a fumble. They also had four turnovers on downs where they went five for nine on fourth down. So Ole Miss this week takes on an Auburn team that everybody's selling stock in right now. That line has come down a little bit, kind of danced around that key number of three. But Ole Miss last week, like I said, basically 11 turnovers in that game. you got to think things go a little bit better for them this week. Yeah, you do. And um, Ole Miss's offense is very good. They were in a, uh, you know, a difficult spot there last week. And um, I think Arkansas's defense is a lot better than some people think even now. I, I've been pretty impressed with them uh, in every game. I, I'm really surprised at how well they've played defensively. Great coaching job so far. And, and Odom's a good defensive mind. So maybe that was just a really good hire. But uh, Ole Miss is going to score a lot of points on a lot of teams this year. So I would be careful to get too low on Ole Miss after that. But like, yeah, when you when you sent me that stat, I thought that was pretty interesting. It's uh, not every day that you'll see numbers like that. And I did want to say the other night when I was looking at box score steady, we've talked about this a lot in the past as far as how important this is. But I think it's one of my favorite parts of my job. You know, I love looking at these box scores and trying to find little nuggets and things like that. I think it's, uh, you know, I sit there and look on Saturday night, Sunday night, um, I can spend quite a bit of time looking at those box scores because uh, number one, it's really important. And number two, I think it's, it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I think so too. And, and you found a couple of other things from the SEC from last weekend that you want to mention as well. Yeah. So um, Auburn loses to South Carolina 30 to 22, but Auburn 5.8 yards per play, South Carolina 4.4. South Carolina was plus two in turnover margin. Knicks had a bad game there. Um, I think that was one that that should be noted because, um, you know, South Carolina is not very good. So I think we should be careful not to upgrade them too much from that win. Um, a couple others that I wanted to note, I wanted to say just because it, it stands out to me, uh, North Texas had 10.0 yards per play on offense against MTSU. Now, North Texas is no juggernaut on offense. They play really fast. But uh, when when Bean has, what, 170 yards rushing or something like that uh, on 10 carries, you got some real problems if you're MTSU. And I, I really kind of wonder if they're even going to try the rest of the season. So I understand the line move uh, toward Rice in, in this week's game. One more I wanted to mention, uh, Kentucky. He said that another SEC team. Kentucky has no passing game at all. Wilson is not a good passer. Short passes only. Um, they had 4.8 yards per play in that blowout win over Tennessee. That was about Tennessee not being good at all. We see the market taking a bit of a position against Kentucky this week. I think a lot of people are kind of realizing that Kentucky, though they have some nice wins here, uh, kind of feels like a fraudulent team so far. Yeah, they had two pick sixes in that win over Tennessee. So, you know, and, and not only did that contribute to the 34-7 final, but it also contributed to what's going on with Tennessee right now, wondering if Jarek Garantano is the guy. Is there a quarterback controversy there? Stuff like that. 
probably not the thing you want when you take on Alabama this week. And we have seen that Alabama line go up against Tennessee as well. Last note, as far as the SEC goes, I noticed that Kylan Hill didn't play last week for Mississippi State. And Kylan Hill is that team's best offensive player. And I don't think it's all that close, but seems like he doesn't really mesh with Mike Leach. Mike Leach has already said, you know, I need to get rid of some of the guys in the program that don't fit what we're trying to do. So there's kind of going to be a purge and probably a lot of transfers coming out of Mississippi State over the next few months. But Kylan Hill didn't play. It didn't seem like it was an injury. I haven't seen an update to this point. Uh, Maybe you have, but not having Kylan Hill is a big deal. And, And I even mentioned, you know, early on in the year, after Mississippi State played that game against LSU early on, I thought Mike Leach would turn Kylan Hill into a first round pick as a pass catcher out of the backfield, but it seems like those two aren't really getting along a whole lot. And Mississippi State's offense is very, very inefficient right now, and their best player is missing from it. So Mississippi State is not a team that I could play really in any context at this point. No, um, Mississippi State was surprisingly bad last week. And like you say, Kylan Hill is their best player, and it's not close at all. Um, Costello, everybody thought was going to be a great fit after that first game. And then we wonder, maybe it was just, uh, LSU is not very good. So, um, you know, I, I think Mississippi state is a team that, uh, is almost unbettable at this point. Uh, maybe bet some unders with them. Mississippi state's defense has been pretty good. You know, this is a defense that, uh, running the three, three, five has done pretty well. So I think that, Um, You know, it's really been about the offense, which is not what you would have expected to say with a Mike Leach team. Yeah, and I'm looking here. I I still haven't seen an update on Kylan Hill. It doesn't look like, um, according to personal reasons, he's not playing. So I haven't really seen any confirmation if he'll play in the next game or not, but he's not practicing with the team again. So there is that. So, you know, again, looks like Mississippi State uh, going to be playing left-handed, so to speak, you know, without one of their top players here for the foreseeable future. So Kyle, I'm sure you and I both did the same amount of work putting together our big 10 power ratings over the weekend. And it's such a challenging thing to do because we're going into this very blind. We have had some opt outs. We've had some players opt back in, you know, Rondale Moore, Rashad Bateman, uh, some of the other guys that are out there that have decided uh, a couple of guys for Ohio state, including cornerback, Sean Wade, They've decided, you know what, we're going to play. It seems like this is a safe environment, all this type of thing. But as I go into this weekend with the Big Ten, you know, you and I, our power ratings are relatively close. We do have some differences between the two of us. I have not played a Big Ten game yet this week, except for Ohio State, because I think that they're highly, highly sufficiently motivated to go out there, start on the right foot, and blow somebody out. And I think they can blow Nebraska out. I got it earlier at 26. But other than that, I haven't touched anything else in the Big Ten this week. Yeah, I haven't made a single bet in the Big Ten. And to be honest with you, when I went through and did my Big Ten power ratings and the Mountain West, um, there was more teams in the Mountain West that I wanted to play right away than the Big Ten. I feel like the Big Ten has several unknowns. There's several teams as I was going through and making my power ratings. I think we've talked about this in the past. Sometimes when I do totals and power ratings, I'll put big question marks by certain teams and I'll say, I don't want to bet anything in their game to start with. Um, I have several of those teams in the Big Ten, Iowa being one of them. I don't know what Iowa's going to be without Stanley at quarterback. Um, I know that Ference's teams have generally, you know, not had great quarterbacks and they've still been good because of their line play. But I don't know what to think of Iowa. Um, another team that's hard to 
rate as Purdue and they play each other. So that's a pretty easy game to pass. Um, you know, Michigan's a team that I'm lower on than, than you are here so far this year. Um, I think Michigan's offensive line could be a big problem this season. So this is not just saying this is a Buckeyes fan. Um, you know, I, I actually like Michigan to be pretty good, just lose to Ohio state. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where, I think Michigan uh, being bad is not really that good for the conference. I don't think they're going to be a really bad team, but I do think Michigan's a team I'd be really cautious about laying points with until I see something more. Uh, I think their offensive line is one of the worst in the big 10. So um, if you look at Michigan, I'm going to be low on them. Uh, Minnesota, a team that I'm not anxious to bet either because they lost a lot on defense Um, and Minnesota offensively should be pretty good. I don't know about their defense, I think there are a lot of teams um, at the bottom of the big 10 that, uh, you know, I'm pretty low on Michigan state. I'll say that, you know, Michigan state's a team that I'd definitely rather bet against. Um, I'm not anxious to bet on Rutgers, you know, shockingly. Right. Um, I think Michigan state's going to have a a bad season. You know, I think there's a lot of turmoil there. A new coach uh, lost a ton from last season. So in general, Michigan state's a team I'd want to bet against here. Uh, Michigan, probably a team I'd want to bet against. Uh, Indiana tends to be a, a team that I'd want to bet on. Northwestern, also a team I want to bet on. And uh, Northwestern, uh, I have at a 72 in my power ratings. I think that's 11 or 11 and a half points higher than what I finished last year. So um, Northwestern, I think with a quarterback could be dangerous. You know, I, I hope that Northwestern's offense will be better. I like P- Pat Fitzgerald as a coach a lot. Um, I just, you know, Northwestern's hard to lay a lot of points with though. So um, that's kind of my, my short of my uh, power ratings there in the big 10. So I don't know what, what are your thoughts that may be a little bit different? Well, you know, you had Michigan state at a 65 and a half. I have them at a 68. So we do have a two and a half point difference there. Um, You know, I'm not big on Michigan state at all. I don't know how Mel Tucker is going to do. I'm kind of surprised quite frankly that they hired Mel Tucker. I, I thought that, you know, Michigan state, probably could get a better head coaching candidate than Mel Tucker, but maybe he'll work out there. I don't know. I guess we'll kind of wait and see. Um, You you said they lost a lot. It's hard to lose a lot from how bad that team was last year. So the idea that they did lose a lot of production is concerning. Maybe a team that I will move down a little bit Uh, for Michigan. Yeah. I'm probably a little bit higher on them. And, And just for frame of reference here, my line on a neutral would be Ohio state minus 14 and a half against Michigan. Uh, Wisconsin would be minus two and a half Penn state minus one and a half. So maybe I am a little bit higher on Michigan. I do have them minus six against Minnesota. That's a little bit higher than the market number that's out there right now. The the thing that's worrisome about Michigan is, you know, for Harbaugh being a quarterback and for the things that he did, you know, at Stanford and stuff like that, he has not developed a quarterback in Ann Arbor. He just has not had a guy that's been good enough to compete with the upper echelon teams in this conference or the teams that they wind up facing in bowl games. They've got another new quarterback now. They've got a lot of questions as to the quarterback position. I can understand why you're a little bit lower on them. Maybe I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe act like I'm not biased in my hatred of the Michigan Wolverines. But that is one that I could see myself and probably do see myself adjusting down a little bit, seeing where the market is here on the Minnesota game. With that being said, though, I know Minnesota's got Bateman. I know Tanner Morgan's back. I know everybody really likes PJ Fleck. They lost an 1,100-yard rusher and a 1,200-yard receiver from last year's team. And defensively, they're okay. But, you know, we see this all the time in college football or the NFL. 
you have to have multiple weapons because now everybody's focus when they play Minnesota will be shutting Bateman down. He'll get double coverage. There'll be safety help over the top, a linebacker underneath, whatever the case may be. I want to see Minnesota make that adjustment to be as efficient and as explosive offensively with one elite skill guy instead of, you know, two or three of them. So that's an adjustment that I want to see for Minnesota. And lastly here with Northwestern, I'm up nine points on Northwestern. I think Peyton Ramsey is a phenomenal ad for them. I think he will fit very nicely into that offense. However, as you said, you know, Northwestern is a team that you want to take points with. They're not a team that you want to lay numbers with. So I'll be curious to see how they're kind of priced out there in the market, you know, depending on how they come out this week or just kind of how Ramsey fits in that offense in general. Yeah, and uh, I think that's that's true. Northwestern's been a really good underdog, and if you're laying points with them, you you probably want to be laying a touchdown or less, not not a big number, because they do play a lot of close games. I will say, in general, I'd rather bet against Maryland also than I would bet on them. I don't trust Mike like Loxley at all. I don't think he's very good. So um, remember how they started last year, and then things just totally fell apart. Um, if Maryland has a couple good showings at the beginning of the season, it'd be kind of okay with me because I'd like to bet against them. So we'll see what happens with Maryland. And I know I'm, I'm a little bit higher on Illinois than you are. I think Illinois' offense is going to be pretty good. Um, in general, in my notes, I did put that I'd like to play Illinois overs. I think Illinois' defense is not going to be very good, but they will be able to score points. However, in their first game, they play against Wisconsin, a team that I – basically have ruled out betting overs with, you know, they play so slow, a good defense. I don't want to play overs with Wisconsin. So in the future, I want to play overs with Illinois, but not in game one. Well, and again, for what it's worth, I have Ohio state at a 98. You have them at a 97. I have Wisconsin at 86. You have Wisconsin at 87. So right now for us, Ohio state on a neutral, a double digit favorite against everybody else in the big 10. I don't think that should come as that much of a surprise. I have Ohio State minus 13 on a neutral against Penn State. Uh, You have it 12 and a half. So we're both kind of in the same range there. But, you know, I I don't know what the ceiling is for Penn State. Last year, they were a very good team. They've been a pretty good team under James Franklin. I just don't think that they're, you know, really in that top, you know, top, what, five or ten teams in college football. I don't think that they're really there. I think that maybe if you put them there from a power rating standpoint, it's more of an indication of the strength of the ACC or the SEC or something like that. And Wisconsin already Jack Cohen hurt. I think Jack Cohen's good in this system as a play action type of quarterback, stuff like that. Graham Mertz probably gets to start Friday night against Illinois. I want to see Wisconsin. I want to see what they come to the table with in that game. My line's 21 and a half, a little higher than the market. Maybe didn't account for the Cohen absence. But, you know, Wisconsin, like you said, I think they're a hard team to power rate because there's literally nothing sexy about this team. They play slow. They wear you down. They got a good defense. They'll win games and cover margins of, you know, 35 to 14, whereas other teams might win, you know, 55 to 14. So I think Wisconsin's kind of a challenging team to power rate a little bit for me. Yeah, I think so, too. And I, I can't decide what to think about Cone being injured because I don't think he's very good, but he's been pretty good in the system, like you said, especially last year. I know that Graham Mertz is a guy that a lot of Wisconsin people were really high on. I know a lot of people said right away, uh, Mertz is going to be a really good quarterback for Wisconsin. So I don't know how big of a downgrade it is, but it's kind of an unknown what you're going to get from him. So 
uh, maybe I'm a bit too high on Wisconsin. Well, I want to watch them and see uh, to adjust because like you said, I think they are a bit of a hard team to power rate here so far this year. And I will say uh, Penn state, which we'll talk about Penn state some more later, but you know, they have several guys that, that aren't playing. Uh, Parsons was going to be so good defensively. He opted out and then journey Brown injured uh, Penn state's a team that would have been quite a bit higher in my power ratings. If they had everybody playing, I think that Penn state, could have been the second highest rated team in the big 10, but um, you know, they actually ended up losing quite a bit. So um, Penn state is going to be a dangerous team to, to play though, especially on the road. And we'll see Ohio state play them there in that second game on the road. We know those night games at Penn state can be really dangerous. Yeah, they can be, but of course, you know, happy Valley empty, no fans for any big 10 game here this season. That's of course going to be really weird. And one other thing I want to mention about the big 10 before we hit a couple of other games and then circle back to do a highlight video on Penn state, Indiana is that based on the COVID protocols for the big 10, if a player tests positive and it is confirmed as a positive, it is a mandatory 21 day absence. So that's at least three games in all likelihood. So we may get some very big names in the Big Ten that test positive here. Keep that in mind that you will have to adjust your power ratings if you make them, or at the very least, keep that in mind. 21-day absence. That's a really important point that I guarantee will come up here at some point in time during the conference play season. Yeah, that's a tremendous point. I didn't even know that, to be honest. 21 days is... um a pretty long time. That's, that's a lot longer than some of the other conferences have been. And I assume just to clarify, that's just for the player that tests positive. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I I didn't look at the the second level with contact tracing and stuff like that. But the one thing it got me thinking is you look at Wisconsin in a big favorite role, something that does concern me laying the big number with Ohio state. You are far more incentivized now as a head coach to empty that bench in the fourth quarter. Look at your freshman, look at your underclassmen, because if you lose a key player to COVID, you're going to have to find a replacement for at least three games. And with the smaller margin for error, especially a team like Ohio State in the playoff discussion, you know, three weeks is, is substantial. So there's also that maybe maybe you want to look first halves with these big favorites in the Big Ten here this year. Yeah, I think that's a great point because, uh, you know, some of these teams would be hurting quite a bit if they lose one player. To be fair, Ohio State, you know, say Justin Fields is out, something like that. That would be uh, – you don't want to lay a huge number with Justin Fields being out if you're Ohio State. So um, it's also a cautionary note, and I think it's a great uh, great point by you, that uh, the Big Ten might not be one that you want to bet early in the week that often because, you know, we're going to see news throughout the week, you know, as these uh, positive tests pop up. Um, And there have been quite a few of them popping up uh, in the Midwest right now. So as we see these positive tests show up, uh, maybe you want to bet on those Big Ten games, you know, on Friday instead of on Monday. So I I think that's a great point. All right. So we like to hit on the weeknight games here as much as we can. Usually we do this on Mondays with Kyle, but we moved it to Wednesday on the interest of making sure that he can get the right market entry points uh, for the totals market. So This game's actually tomorrow night as opposed to being three days away from it like we usually would. Arkansas State, Appalachian State, 305-306 down in the Sun Belt. This one's gone up both side and total here. App State, 13, 13 and a half market wide. Total now up to 67 here for this Thursday nighter in Boone. Kyle, what do you think about this game? 
So I'll tell you my numbers for this game. Um, it's the, the positive to doing this on Wednesday is I know what my totals are. I know what my sides are. Um, you know, I can, I can give those on ones that aren't plays, especially um, App State minus 11, 66, my total in this game. I considered betting the over right on the open. Didn't do it. Uh, maybe I should have and just been able to bet back if nothing else because I knew this, this total would go up. I will say I could not play the under in this game. There's no way I'd bet the under uh, over or nothing for me. Arkansas State playing at the fourth fastest pace of anybody in the country so far this year. They're Arkansas State ran 96 plays last week against Georgia State. Yeah, that was that was like Maction um, there last week. And and uh, I have to say that game was just, you know, you look up and somebody else just scored a touchdown and then it's back and forth and back and forth. Um, I think the live total, I mean, I don't remember what the game finished. Was it 59 to 59, 52? Yeah. Yeah. I think the live total was as high as 117 or 116 or something like that. It's like. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. Uh, remember some of the old Maction games with Northern Illinois and Toledo and games like that. It looked like one of those games, um, not, you know, great high-level football, but it's still a lot of fun. You know, Arkansas State plays really fast. Um, if you look at Arkansas State, I-, I wanted to point out, Arkansas State so far this year has 21 plays of 30 yards or more. Uh, remember I said earlier, Western Kentucky had two. So, I mean, I don't know if that says more about Arkansas State or if it says more about Western Kentucky, but they've played the same number of games. One team has 21 plays of 30 yards or more, and the other has two. Arkansas State, though, is giving up a ton of those big yardage plays on defense, you know, hence their extremely high-scoring game so far this year. The other thing I wanted to point out about Arkansas State, they are throwing it around. 58% of their plays on offense have been passes. Uh, they have two good quarterbacks. Uh, they have a really bad defense, and I think we should note that Arkansas State fired their defensive coordinator there last week right after that game uh, and their past defensive coordinator. So they, they fired two defensive guys. Um, that's always uh, – you never know what to think about that in the middle of the season. You know, Is this going to help them or is it going to hurt them? It, it shows how uh, Blake Anderson really thought it was a big problem on defense or he wouldn't want to made that move in the middle of the season. Um, App State – uh, I think their their defensive, uh, you know, they've been a defensive team in the past, and App State lost a lot on defense from a year ago. The linebackers are much worse than they were last year. I think their relative strength on defense is their secondary. So I wonder what Arkansas State's going to do here in this game. Like I said, they usually like to throw it around. We have to point out, too, that this has been a really long break between games for Appalachian State, um, almost a month. You know, I think there's very little chance that Arkansas State's defense slows down App State much at all here. Having said that, if this one hits 14, I do lean Arkansas State in this game, and I think we might see a 14. I don't know if it'll stay, but I think we might see a 14 here. I see several 13 and a halfs. Um, I could only bet the over, and I could only bet uh, Arkansas State here. I think both teams score quite a few points in this one, but um, I can't lay that many points with App State. Only the seventh total in FBS history for App State of 65 or higher four one and one to the under for what it's worth. But as you mentioned, offensively, they are a little bit different of a team here. My number of this game's 12. So I'm kind of right between where it opened and where it sits. Now I could fully understand the point you're making about taking Arkansas state. If it gets to 14. And I talked about this in my, you know, situational tips and betting trends article over at ATS.io app state hasn't played in 26 days. Arkansas state is playing their fourth game in 19 days so you know this is a spot here for Arkansas State where you've got to think that 
They should be the more in sync team. And with a high scoring expectation in this one, maybe Arkansas state first half, Arkansas state first quarter, something like that kind of look to attack the derivative market. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that, you know, if this gets to 14, I, you got a pretty strong case here for taking app state. How about this game? A little bit of a cross conference game between the Sun Belt and conference USA, Louisiana and UAB. We've seen some line movement on Louisiana in this game. The line opened in the two range with UAB favored. This one got down to pick around the time we started recording, but UAB money has come back in to make them the minus one favorite total here on this game, 49 and a half or 50. Interesting game. Interesting handicap. Yeah. So in this one, I have UAB minus two and a total of 52. Um, how about this coaching matchup? I love this coaching matchup. I don't know which one of these coaches I like more. I, I like both of them a lot. I think this is a fascinating handicap. Louisiana, I think um, they should have been better so far this year. They went into Ames and won that first game. And, and we've seen this happen before. Sometimes those teams that pick off a, a really big name opponent don't play terribly well to start conference play because, you know, they're feeling pretty good about themselves after that win in a non-conference game. To be fair to them, they've had a lot of COVID issues and several injuries as well. So Louisiana has not been playing at full strength. I think here between these two teams, Louisiana probably has the higher upside of uh, between UAB and Louisiana. I think that Louisiana at full strength and playing their best is probably a bit better team. At the same time, I feel like I know what I'm getting a little bit more with UAB. Uh, Bill Clark's teams are really consistent. UAB secondary is elite. They're excellent. They can be beaten on the ground at some times. And uh, Louisiana's definitely going to test that run defense. Uh, Levi Lewis has not played that well this year, especially compared to last season for Louisiana. So uh, we'll see how he plays in this one. I think um, Tyler Johnston's been out for a while now with an arm injury. I think we have to assume that Bryson Lucero starts again here at quarterback. Um, Is he a downgrade from Tyler Johnston? I'm not sure. I think they're pretty even. Uh, Lucero, just a freshman. He's thrown too many picks so far this year. Um, He is a bit of an unknown, but he looks like he will be a good quarterback. Uh, UAB is a team that's going to want to run a lot. Spencer Brown and several other good running backs. I leaned the over in this game thinking both offenses could do enough. Uh, Would like to get 49 instead of 49 and a half for 50. I think I also lean uh, UAB in this game a little bit, but I do worry about their strength of schedule so far this year. They played Miami. And then who else have they played? I mean, UAB has really played a weak schedule. That concerns me some. So I guess what I'm saying is I like UAB some in this spot. I'm concerned about that strength of schedule difference. Um, you know, I kind of like the over here, but I think this is a fascinating game and it's one that I'd like to watch. Yeah, this is one. My line's UAB minus two as well, but I'm not surprised by the line move by what looks to be a little bit of sharp action on Louisiana here. I do think that, as you mentioned, they are their team with the higher ceiling because offensively, you know, they do have so much promise and potential. UAB is another one of those teams kind of cut from the same cloth as Wisconsin. They're just not sexy. They just they just don't do it in a flashy way. They're just solid. They're just defensively really, really good. And a lot of times those teams that are very good defensively are disrespected in the marketplace. They don't get the same level of fanfare as the high-flying offensive team and stuff like that. In this game, I think Louisiana can move the football on the ground. I think UAB can also move the football on the ground. The difference here to me is that 
I think UAB, as you said, hasn't played anybody. South Alabama is better, but they're still not great. UTSA is better, but still not great. We talked about Western Kentucky already and how they're just not a very good team. They're not remotely explosive at all. Louisiana has played Iowa State, pretty good team. Georgia State, who's much better offensively than I think any of us realized. I think a lot of us were worried about them not having Ellington anymore. They haven't missed a beat. Georgia Southern, they do what they do. They run the option. They're a tough team to match up against. And then Coastal Carolina, who we've already talked about, people are in love with. So Louisiana's played a much more challenging schedule here. Maybe that sets them up well for this game against UAB. Maybe it doesn't. If I had to take anything here, it would be Louisiana. But I'm going to try to live bet this game on Friday night and see if Louisiana is moving the football with the run. And if they are, I think maybe a live over type thing is in play. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, maybe you get a stop on the first uh, possession or something or you, early in the first quarter, you're able to get a lower number than 50 on a total. I do like the over some in this game. And and I think it is tough to play a side in this game because these are two teams that I would like to bet on. I don't want to bet against either of these teams, really. I really like the coaching staffs. Um, you know, like I said, I think uh, UAB has a, lit, a little less upside than does Louisiana. But I think Louisiana has been a bit disappointing so far this season. So we'll see how many of Louisiana's players are going to be out this week. I think they still have some COVID issues going on. So uh, that that complicates this handicap, certainly. But I, I think my favorite play in this game would be the over. If I get 49, I might even play that one myself. So uh, we'll see what happens in that one. We'll do a highlight video for Penn State and Indiana here in a second. But I want to ask you about 331-332, Tulane and UCF. Because you had a note about Tulane in the box score segment that we could touch on here, but also UCF. I mean, I don't know how the hell they lost that game against Memphis last week. They were inside the five twice with no points. They had double-digit leads multiple times in the second half of that game. They're laying three touchdowns here, essentially. They're a 19-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, is this a UCF bounce-back spot? Is there something more to say about the Knights that – Maybe they're not as good as we've seen in the past. Is Tulane just awful and UCF's going to cover as a result? I just want to pick your brain about that one because I think it's an interesting game that most shows, most people are just going to gloss over. Yeah, um, I'll start with last week's game. SMU had 7.2 yards per play to 5.0 yards per play for Tulane. Tulane was really fortunate to be in that game at all. Tulane has been really disappointing for me, and I've had to downgrade them in my PRs uh, multiple times now this year. On the other side, UCF, um, I think both of these teams are teams I'd like to bet against right now. So we just said that there were teams I'd like to bet on. Both of these teams are teams that I'd rather bet against. Uh, UCF, and I know uh, Brad Powers, a friend of the show here, um, who has some great thoughts. I remember he tweeted out this past weekend something about UCF and that they've lost several close games and um, coaching wise, they don't seem to be as strong as what they were in the past. And I think that's certainly a good point. Even at the end of that game, UCF kind of almost looked like they were okay with kicking a long field goal. Um, and I really, it always amazes me when these coaches, uh, have an offense to move the ball really well. They get to about, you know, the 30 yard line and they seem like they're fine with, you know, a college kicker trying a 47 yard field goal to win the game or something. Let's, let's just go ahead and try to get closer. Let's try to score a touchdown. Um, UCF uh, shouldn't have lost that game last week. Um, I don't think that UCF is at the same level that they were in past years. And and to be fair to them, they had a lot of guys opt out because of COVID. So that, that hurt them quite a bit as well. 
UCF's defense has been a lot worse than what I thought they should be. Uh, UCF's offense has still been very good. I don't know what to do in this game. I, like I said, I'd rather bet against both teams. I, I think I'll pass this one. All right. Fair enough. I was just curious, and I was giving you a heads up on the highlight video, too. But it's it's an interesting game, and we'll talk again in a minute here about the other team that was in that UCF game, uh, the Memphis Tigers, and what to do with them here this week. But we'll go ahead and do a highlight video here for you on ATS Radio for our ATS YouTube page. On game 337-338 between Penn State and Indiana, Penn State six-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Total in the 58-and-a-half to 59-and-a-half range has gone up a little bit here from the open, but I'm joined, of course, by pro better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. And Kyle, what are your thoughts here on Penn State and Indiana? Well, for this game, you know, Journey Brown out indefinitely, according to reports, um, hurts him quite a bit. He averaged 6.8 yards per carry last year. Um, look, that's a big loss no matter what. And I will say Penn State's deep at running back. So it doesn't hurt them as bad as some other teams would would be hurt. Um, Kane's a good backup. Uh, I think Penn State, uh, Sean Clifford's been a bit better than I thought he would be at quarterback for them. So I like their quarterback situation pretty well. They don't have amazing wide receivers. Their offensive line is decent. Penn State's not really known as a great offensive line team. Um, you know, and you have to point out that Micah Parsons, a lot of people thought could have been maybe the big 10 defensive player of the year. And then he opts out. So that was a really big loss. I don't think Penn state has the same upside that they did. Um, you know, if they had those two guys still at the same time, Penn state's clearly a good team. Um, you know, as you look at this, Indiana has been much better defensively, um, under Allen. You know, I think he's done a really good job turning this team around, and Ramsey left um, Indiana, but the reason he left Indiana is they have Michael Penix, um, who really is very good. You know, he was really good when he was healthy last year. So if he's going to be healthy, I think Indiana has a good offense. The one question Indiana has on offense is their offensive line. That does concern me a bit uh, with Penn State having a strong defensive line. Obviously, their defensive line not quite as good as what it's been in the past because you know you lose uh, Gross Matos and then also Windsor on the defensive line. You're not going to have a top two or three defensive line in the country like you had last year, but Penn State's still a top 10 defensive line type of team. Um, in this game, as far as the spread right now, uh, seeing six and a half on Indiana, I'd like to get seven. Um, I think Indiana plus seven would be a good play. We might be able to get a seven, especially at a public shop or something like that. But at the same time, uh, Indiana, a team that I think at least has a chance to win this game. I, I'm not calling the calling my shot anything here saying that Indiana is going to win this game. But I think the Penn State's been a bit inconsistent in these games before. You know, we've seen them have really good efforts under James Franklin. We've also seen them have really mediocre efforts. So I don't think they're a team that I trust a lot to be laying points with. And this one, I would lean toward Indiana plus the points. What about you? My line on this game, seven and a half. Um, you know, again, the, the Journey Brown and the Micah Parsons things are concerning for Penn State. But, you know, they are factored into my power rating here for this game. So I do have it a little bit on the plus side there of the key number a couple of things that are interesting I think to try and figure out about this game the first is how is this Indiana offense without Kalen DeBoer you know Kalen DeBoer was such an awesome offensive coordinator he winds up going back to Fresno State now as the head coach Nick Sheridan who was the quarterback's coach takes over for Indiana so the offense will remain the same pretty much the difference is you know they've got Penix now starting over Ramsey, they kind of had the timeshare and you know all those kinds of things. So that's my question: is 
Was it DeBoer? Was it what Sheridan's done with the quarterbacks? Can Penix continue to keep this Indiana offense at the level that it was at last season? Because if that's the case, as you said, Tom Allen has done phenomenal things with this defense. He was a good defensive coordinator here. He's turned out to be a pretty good head coach here. The concern that I have is every time we get one of these middle-of-the-pack teams in a Power 5 conference that everybody wants to get behind. A lot of people call Indiana a buy team. I know you and I talked about it before we started doing the show, that you also like the Hoosiers here this season. I'm always skeptical of those teams. Will they make that jump? Because if Indiana wants to be a buy team, wants to move up a tier in this conference, this is the type of upset you have to pull off. Are they ready to do it is the question for me. Until I see it, I'll err on the side of caution and look the Penn State way. Not going to lay the six and a half here. I think this is a game with some live betting opportunities to see how both of these teams come out. Because again, we're seeing the Big Ten for the first time. We have our thoughts. We have our intuitions. We have our confidence levels in these teams. But we've yet to see them actually get on the field. So for me, I lean Penn State. I want to look to live bet Penn State because I think that they're kind of more proven in these types of games. But again, I could see why people like the potential of Indiana. I just want to see it before I can believe in it. I think that's fair. And like I said, I won't bet Indiana at plus six and a half. So I don't have a strong thought on this game without it being at seven. As far as the total, since, you know, I am a totals guy uh, in large part, I will say this one was bet over. And I feel like I should have bet the over in this one. Penn State is a team that I would like to bet overs with this year. I think their defense is down a decent amount from last year. I think their offense is still going to be very good. On the other side, though, I didn't know what Indiana would be offensively. I assume they'll keep playing at a fast tempo with the new offensive coordinator. Uh, We'll see. Uh, Indiana's defense is quite a bit better than they've been in recent uh, years. To me, um, over is the only way I could bet it even, even now at this point, but it's no great value anymore. So we don't necessarily have a consensus opinion on this game for you on our ATS YouTube channel, but again, look for situations to live bet. Consider the fact that, you know, sometimes you get these teams that have a lot of helium and maybe they don't live up to it or maybe they do. But, you know, again, as Kyle said, the importance of the number here too, if it gets to seven, that completely changes the dynamic of this handicap. Whereas at six and a half, maybe I lean Penn state. It's a stay away game for Kyle, but at seven, he likes the Indiana side a little bit. So again, market entry, very important. A lot of the topics that we talk about on our full editions of ATS radio, which you can hear if you subscribe to us on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google podcasts, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. All right, so we'll take a break here for a minute, give ourselves a little bit of a breather here. I want to ask you about 347, 348, Cincinnati and SMU, because another week where the market's against Cincinnati, and maybe they haven't done anything to you know earn a lot of confidence from the influential betters that are out there, but I've got Cincinnati pretty clearly favored in this game, and now SMU a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, I mean, if Cincinnati gets the three here, I would probably have to take Cincinnati, a game that I didn't really want to bet. Um, I thought there were some interesting quotes. Uh, Luke Fickle said when they they canceled the game last week, um, his quote was, uh, I think we might have reacted too quickly. We, we could have played that game. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I 
not to be, you know, debating whether they should or should have, shouldn't have played that game, but it's interesting that their head coach would say that. Um, so I think that means that Cincinnati probably doesn't have quite as many uh, COVID cases or as big of a problem as some of these other teams have, because why would Fickle have said that otherwise? So um, if it gets to three here, I'll, I'll be interested in Cincinnati. Um, SMU is a good team. They're not a great team. I think they were a bit fortunate in a couple of their games so far this year. Um, that Memphis game stands out. You know, SMU, we know they're not good at defense. We know Cincinnati has a very solid defense. The question mark on Cincinnati is their quarterback play. Um, you know, Ritter was really good a couple of years ago, and then he really has never been the same since. So uh, Cincinnati, the side that I would lean toward in this one, I would also kind of lean toward the under, but the number's too low for me. So um, that's kind of my initial thoughts on this one. So I think you and I agree that the lean here would be Cincinnati. Yeah, I think so too. And, and again, I mean, you know, I, I know Tulsa's played really well and I know Cincinnati hasn't looked the part, but I even adjusted both of those teams last week and, and my number is still low here on Cincinnati. So, you know, maybe I just haven't uh, accurately rated the Bearcats, you know, based on their body of work here to this point. But I guess we'll sort of see how this one plays out. We'll go ahead and do a highlight video here on our ATS radio broadcast. I'm Adam Burke. He's Kyle Hunter, professional handicapper over at huntersportspicks.com. We'll talk about game 349-350 here between Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Total of 52 here in this one. And uh, I think you and I may be on the same page with regards to this game. Yeah, this is an interesting game. Um, I think I've told you this before, and uh, some listeners to the show would know this already. But before the season, I look at the the schedule and I try to go through and and um, have some games that I want to play something in before the season. And then, you know, I can look at that when it when we get to the time. I had this as a game that I would want to bet the under in. Now, the line is far lower than I would have ever thought the under would be here, and that's because Oklahoma State has been so good defensively in the games that they've played. But I think we have to be fair that Oklahoma State has not exactly played teams that, you know, would would test their defense that much. I will say, I think Oklahoma State is much better defensively than they've been in past seasons, especially on the front seven. Um, I think their secondary can be beaten. Uh, I I have to start out here by talking about the fact that Matt Campbell as an underdog has been really good. Um, As an underdog in general, 33 and 16 ATS. As an underdog of three points or larger, 27 and 12 ATS. Um, You know, there are a lot of trends and angles like that that probably don't uh, matter at all. I think this one does. Matt Campbell's good as an underdog. Um, These are two teams, two coaches that I'd like to bet on, though. I don't want to really bet against Gundy that much. He's been tremendous ATS. Having said that, you know, reportedly Spencer Sanders is healthy. He said that uh, Illingworth and Sanders might split time here. I would think that if Spencer Sanders is 100% healthy, he would play most of the game here because he's clearly their best option at quarterback. Uh, When you're looking at this game, something else I wanted to point out looking through my notes was uh, Iowa State uses 29 seconds between plays. So they are very deliberate, um, probably the slowest team in the Big 12 Uh, maybe Kansas State. So Kansas State and Iowa State, two teams that play really slowly. Um, In Purdy and Hall, Iowa State has two future NFL players in the backfield. Um, They're very good players. Uh, The Cyclones offense has been pretty good. 
Purdy threw the ball 62 times last year when these two teams met. A seven-point loss at home for Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State was negative two in turnover margin. Um, They had 30 first downs in that game, and Oklahoma State had 14 first downs. So I think that's really interesting to point out. A pick six won the game for Oklahoma State. It had been tied, then a pick six won the game. Uh, So far this year, Oklahoma State allowing 16% conversions on third down. Look, we don't have to tell you that that's not going to keep happening. That's that's a regression candidate, certainly. Oklahoma State's been running the ball on 68% of their plays on offense. I think that they're a team that wants to continue running the ball as much as they can, even with Spencer Sanders, because you know he's a really good weapon in the run game. Having said that, I think Iowa State's strength defensively is their front seven. I don't think Oklahoma State can run the football really easily on Iowa State in this game. I think this is a really tight game. And if you're, you're going to give me a game that I think is kind of a coin flip, I have to take three and a half here. So Iowa State plus three and a half is certainly my, my strong lean in this game. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with everything that you said there. In my power ratings, I actually have Iowa State minus a half a point. Now, of course, my home field numbers might be a little bit different than the market and stuff like that because things are so weird here for this season. If it was confirmed that Spencer Sanders would start, that's probably a two-point upgrade for me on Oklahoma State, which would make my line Oklahoma State minus one and a half, still below the three and a half number that's out there. I think this is a good spot to take Iowa State. This is the type of game that they want to play. Lower scoring on the road as a dog, getting a hook. I think Iowa State is the play here, plus three and a half. I completely agree with everything you said. You broke this game down well. And again, I think the number really matters here. If it's three, it's harder to take Iowa State. At three and a half, I like Iowa State quite a bit. Those half points really do matter in football, especially in games that have a lower scoring expectation like this one does. So a consensus opinion here of Iowa State plus three and a half for this highlight video on our ATS YouTube page. Make sure you listen to the full editions of ATS Radio. You can find us on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. Before we transition over to the NFL side of things here, Kyle, any other games you want to talk about on the college football side? Um, let's see. As I look at the card here, others that I what, think what are interesting. bad games do you want to highlight? You want to talk about Monroe and oh. South Alabama? No, I really don't want to talk about Monroe, to be honest. I do like talking about some bad games, but UTEP uh, and Charlotte. Yeah, sure. UTEP and Charlotte. Uh, I kind of lean toward UTEP plus the points in that game. I do think that that'll be a lower scoring game, a game that's played pretty slow. So, um, you you know, if you're getting that many points with a total of 49 and a half, you have to at least look at the underdog. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, I kind of I kind of like UTEP in that game. Um, Other ones, I mean, uh, maybe Wyoming and Nevada. You want to talk about that game a little bit? We can talk Wyoming and Nevada. I, my number six and a half. I, I bet Wyoming earlier in the week at three and a half. Uh, I, I like them. You know, Sean Chambers coming back is a big deal for them offensively because their quarterback play after Chambers went out was awful. It was not good at all. And you know what else, man? I'm just going to flat out say it. Craig Bull can effing coach. I mean, that dude's awesome. He, he is a tremendous coach. And the other thing that most people overlook about this Wyoming team, and I think to some degree I did for a while last season, Wyoming has a tremendous offensive line. I mean, they are really, really good. They're going to push people around uh, in this conference. Just about everybody is not going to be able to stop them from running the football. Uh, Wyoming's defense is not 
tremendous, but they're never bad under Craig Bowl. I think their line play is just so good. And I think that really is about the coaching staff quite a bit. Uh, Nevada, their offense, um, I think should be pretty good with uh, Carson Strong in that air raid offense, but Nevada's defense lost quite a bit from last year and their, their defense wasn't very good last season. So I agree with you uh, that this line move is justified here on Wyoming. And we've also seen the total on that game go up from 49 to 51. So usually we don't see a lot of line moves going up in Wyoming games, but we do see one here uh, in this week's action. We'll talk more about the mountain West next week, I think. And then in two weeks time, we get the pac 12 and the Mac. So at that point, We'll have to talk about those two conferences as well. I already added them to my power ratings, which you can find over at ATS.io. And I encourage you to check that out. Uh, every Usually I write that every Sunday evening or so uh, after the market kind of gets posted and starts to settle in a little bit. So I encourage you to be on the lookout for that uh, as you're wrapping up your NFL Sunday. Speaking of the NFL here, I, I guess we got to talk about it on today's show, even though you and I were talking before we started recording here that uh, – by and large, there's just not a whole lot to like on this week's NFL card. No, I think this looks like a difficult card. Um, you know, we have some bye weeks at this point, so there, there's a little bit less to choose from. Every week's and, a bye week for the Jets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you put in the notes that um, you just can't bet on shitty teams in the NFL, and I think that's very fair. Now, I was going to ask you, I mean, isn't there like two levels of shitty teams in the NFL? Because – I mean, the Jets, I don't think shitty team really covers it for them. I think that they're worse than that in some ways. So maybe, you know, shitty teams is the Jaguars and, and um, you know, the Giants and teams like the that. Washington. And the Jets, yeah, right. But the Jets need their own category, I think. So, I mean, they're just, they're just so bad, there's no way you could bet on them at this point. Yeah. I, there are probably words I could find on UrbanDictionary.com or something <laughs> like that to describe the Jets if I had to. 13 and a half at home against Buffalo. And I would only take Buffalo in that game. And quite frankly, I, I may end up taking Buffalo in the circle this week because there's just not a whole lot I like. And, you well, know, I mean, the, the week one game should have been much worse between Buffalo yeah. and the Jets. We talked about that yesterday uh, with Brian Blessing on the show. But speaking of bad teams, two of them in action on Thursday night. And, and in fairness, I mean, I think Philadelphia is a decent team. They are just, their injury report is just off the charts. I mean, I, I don't know if they have able-bodied skill position players left now that Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz are going to miss this game as well. And we did see this line come all the way down to three and a half based on that news, I believe yesterday on Tuesday. Now it's settled back up in the four and a half range, total 45 with the Giants in Philadelphia on Thursday night. Um, yeah, is the total still 45 in this one? Did it move? Uh I think the total moved down in this one. I, I kind of hope it's still 45 because then I might play the under. But uh, I'm still seeing 45s on the odd screen. So Okay, it moved back up. So it was 43 and then moved back up to 45. Um, I, I do kind of like the under in this one. So it That's gives me something. Move. Yeah, I, this gives me something to lean here. I, I had noticed yesterday 45 and a half was the opener and then it was 43 yesterday. So uh, 45, it's just moved here in the last few minutes right before we were talking. So um, I'm, I'm surprised. I am really surprised that the line would move up like that. You know, the Giants defense has not looked terrible 
in recent games, but the Giants offense is, is really bad. I mean, they're next level bad. Um, uh, the Philly defense is pretty good in the front seven. Their weakness is the secondary. The question is, do you trust uh, Daniel Jones to beat them in the secondary? And I, I think the answer is no for most people. So, um, you know, on the other side, uh, the question is, I know Carson Wentz gets a lot of heat. Um, I don't know what your opinion is on Carson Wentz, but I have to say, I, I don't think Carson Wentz is a tremendous quarterback, but I also think it's kind of unfair to grade him as a poor quarterback, given what he's had around him. You know, that offensive line has been a mess and the skill position players around him have not been good at all. I don't think that Carson Wentz is as bad as some people think he is. I think that, um, you know, the Eagles just have not really surrounded him with much talent, uh, you know, injury wise, they've been really bad here of late. And also even their play calling is questionable at times. You know, um, I think their coaching staff was much better when they had Frank Reich there. Um, You know, he was really innovative and it seems like they've moved backwards offensively since he's been gone. So um, I lean to the under in this one. Um, I can't bet the the Giants, uh, you know, four and a half or five, the total now. I'm going to have to look at this one a little bit more and see if there's some positive injury information about the Eagles. Maybe somebody's playing that they thought wasn't going to play. I'm surprised that this one would move back up on the total and then also back up to five. Yeah, I mean, if, if I had to do anything here, I would take Philadelphia. I, I just, I trust this coaching staff on a short week a little bit more than, you know, a lot of the newer guys that the Giants have on the staff. Uh, I think you made a lot of great points about Carson Wentz that I agree with. I, I think it's hard to fully evaluate this guy. And, and I understand that, you know, circumstantially, it's hard because Nick Foles won the Super Bowl for the Eagles, you know, so that's kind of been a mark against Carson Wentz that, you know, he kind of had the, he sort of lost the job, so to speak to Foles and, you know, Wentz had the injury issues and all those types of things too. He's had an aging offensive line that hasn't been able to stay healthy. None of the skill position dudes stay healthy. Frank Reich was a great offensive coordinator. Who's now uh, an above average head coach with the Colts. A lot of things have just gone against Carson Wentz, you know, in his career, I think maybe getting out of this situation and getting somewhere else could sort of resurrect his career a little bit, or maybe he's a journeyman Ryan Fitzpatrick type dude for the next you know, 10 to 12 years where he kind of fills in where teams need him and, you know, gets some teams, some wins here and there. I don't know. I don't think he's that bad of a player. I just think that a lot of things have been stacked against him. Uh, like you alluded to there. So I think it's a, a pretty sharp take on your part. Look, it's Philadelphia or nothing for me. I give the Eagles credit. They played pretty well against Pittsburgh two weeks ago. They had a two point conversion to tie Baltimore last week. They're fighting, they're scratching, they're clawing, they're battling. The giants got their win. You know, they're going to avoid the embarrassment of going 0-16 now because they had a very realistic chance of doing it. So I I think this is, in some respects, a letdown spot for the Giants because they won, maybe shouldn't have, wouldn't have if Washington had converted the two-point conversion. I think that, you know, this is just a Giants team that's just simply not very good, and now they're not going to make history. So I wonder how invested they are here on a short week. Yeah, the other question is whether it was actually a good thing for the Giants to win that game or not. You know, I mean, they're going to be so bad that they probably would have been better off losing that game as far as the draft. So, um, you know, the Giants are a team I can't bet. I also uh, would lean toward the Eagles. Um, I, I wish I could get four or, or four, uh, you know, I see four and a half or five is pretty much the prevailing numbers at this point. This did get down to three and a half. Like I said, I do lean to the under. I'll be looking at that one some more as a possible play for me um, under or, or the Eagles for me in this one. 
Well, and just to throw it out there for people on Thursday night, in case you don't want to watch Arkansas State, Appalachian State, Palm Springs on Hulu is a pretty good movie. Um, Hannah on Amazon Prime is a good show. If you haven't seen Ozark, that's a very good show. Uh, Super Bad is on one of the streaming services. I think Amazon Prime or Hulu. Um, Sex Drive on Netflix is a pretty funny comedy movie. Uh, I, I think I'm making my point here that if, if you don't want to watch this game on Thursday night, uh, you're, at least you're going to have some options, right, Kyle? You don't want to watch the presidential debate? Is there another one? <laughs> yeah, I think I think the debate's supposed to be Thursday night, but but um, I you know I couldn't blame anybody for not wanting to watch it either. <laughs> No, I, I will not be watching that. Uh, if I, if yeah. I want to watch old people yell at each other, I'll just watch one of the grumpy old men movies or, or something like that. Right. I agree with you on that. No, I, I, I don't think that that's a very good viewing option either. By the way, maybe next week we should carve out some time for this. And I don't know if our listeners want this. You can give me some feedback at skating tripods or skating tripods at gmail.com. Uh, you are set up with some pretty good positions on the upcoming election. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit next week. Uh, you know, in advance of uh, Judgment Day or whatever the hell we want to call it on November 3rd. Uh, other than that, before we get to a highlight video here of the Jaguars and the Chargers to finish up the show, any other games you want to touch on here for this uh, for this Sunday NFL card? Well, um, you know, as we look at the card here, um, I think there's a couple of interesting games when we talk about um, Seattle, Arizona. You know, what do we think of Seattle? What do we think of Arizona? To me, I think, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest, I had the Cowboys and, and uh, you know, that was just a, the wrong side in that game. I thought the Cowboys offense would be a lot better. Of course, it doesn't help when Zeke's fumbling the ball constantly and, you know, Dalton's throwing interceptions in the red zone. Uh, at the same time, you know, you could argue that Arizona, while they scored a lot of points in that game, offensively, they weren't really that good against the Cowboys defense because uh, I think Kyler Murray completed, what was it, 40 some percent of his passes or something like that. He had a couple big plays, um, you know. At the same time, Seattle, Seattle's not as good as, as what some people think they are. Obviously, they've, they've won a lot of games very close. I think this is a fascinating game as far as the side standpoint. I don't really know which side I want to take in this one. I just think it's an interesting game to talk about. Uh, the total was 56 and a half, seeing 56 pretty much across the board now. Um, maybe a bit high if you get 56 and a half. That is a divisional game. Uh, we saw the totals market correct a little bit last week with the undergoing 10 and four. Um, I think some of these divisional games with a really high total could be some good bets on the under. Yeah, this is, it's so hard because Seattle finds ways to win and they rarely do it by margin. So, you know, while I would lean Seattle here, minus the three and a half coming off the buy and, you know, all that kind of thing. Uh, they, they just, you know, it's, it's one of those, they don't ask how they ask how many types of things where Russ just wins games and he just puts the team on his back in the fourth quarter and they win by four or they win by three or they win by two or, or whatever else. I don't trust Kyler Murray to do the same thing if this becomes an arms race, but you know, again, that Seattle defense is, is not good. So I, I, man, that there are games just all over the board this week that I just don't like. I mean, I, I like Cleveland a little bit. I'll probably talk about that game tomorrow uh, with Brad Powers. I like Detroit, but now that that's off a of three, that's a tough game to play going on the road at Atlanta. Um, you know, San Francisco, New England, that's now a very low favorite role for the Patriots at home under Belichick. And I know it's not the Brady Patriots anymore, but you know, it's still tough to, to take a team getting a short number going West to East off of a big divisional win, stuff like that in the 49ers. 
the one I, I kind of like a little bit here, I guess, and I know uh, there are some weather considerations for this game in the AFC West. I kind of like Denver getting almost double digits or maybe getting 10. We'll see what the circle line looks like against Kansas City in a game with a low total. Drew Locke looked fine. Denver's defense is pretty good. They see Mahomes in Kansas City all the time. I kind of like Denver a little bit, but, you know, again, going against Mahomes doesn't uh, doesn't really make you a lot of money usually. Yeah, as far as some of those games, I agree with you. Detroit, if you got the three, would be intriguing. Um, at the number it is now, I, I don't think so. Uh, San Francisco, New England, uh, I, w- I wouldn't want to bet that game from a side standpoint. Uh, in- New England's offensive line uh, looked really bad, and they've got quite a few injuries there. So I don't know what to do with that game. Um, Browns, Bengals, interesting game. Uh, you know, uh, it depends on Baker Mayfield's health, too. Um, if he's okay, I think three is probably a decent uh, play there on the Browns. Um, I, I see a lot of games that I, I'd rather pass on when I look down this line. So uh, I think it's going to be a, a light card for me in the NFL this weekend. Yeah, the one thing that there is, though, there are some potential teaser legs. And with that, we go to a highlight video here on ATS Radio, taking a look at game 479-480 in the NFL, Jacksonville and the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers minus seven and a half total on this game of 49. And the first thing, I guess the starting point with any Chargers handicap right now is that Justin Herbert looks like the real deal. And I was skeptical of him coming out in the draft. I was skeptical of the Chargers taking him thinking, you know what? Terod Taylor is going to be a good stopgap kind of guy. Maybe you can see what happens in free agency after that. Get a player that helps you at a greater position of need. Well, turns out I was dead wrong. And Justin Herbert seems like the real deal. Yeah, he's been really good. And I agree with you. I was a bit um, skeptical on whether he'd be this good. You know, when you talk about a Chargers game, there's there's a few things you think of at first. I, I will say um, I don't like Anthony Lynn very much as a coach. Um, I, I don't trust him laying a lot of points. So that's why I like the Chargers here in a teaser leg, because if you look at this one, you know, it doesn't have the really low total that you like to take a, a teaser with, but uh, here's a good number to take a six point teaser. You got seven and a half, you take it down to one and a half. I really think the Chargers have a really good chance of winning this game outright. Um, you know, obviously they could win by one, but you get it down to one and a half. You, you've gone through a lot of really key numbers there. Um, on the other side, you look at Jacksonville. So, Jacksonville won that first game against Indianapolis. And then some people thought, well, maybe Jacksonville's decent or they're better than they should have been. And I think Indianapolis outgained them about two to one in that game. And you look at all the games since then, Jacksonville's had some really, really bad performances. I think Jacksonville's the second worst team in the NFL. Uh, that's pretty hard to say when you've got the Giants and Washington and teams like that. Obviously, the Jets are worse than them. You know, I mean, anybody could put uh, the Jets anywhere other than the very bottom. But Gardner Minshew, when you look at his numbers, some of his numbers look decent, but uh, you dig deeper into it. A lot of his stats have come when they're way behind in the game. And, you know, it's easy to throw for a lot of yards or get touchdowns at the end of the game when you're losing by 17 points or something like that. And you make it 10. I think uh, this Chargers defense is pretty good. Um, They should be able to get pressure on Gardner Minshew in this one. We know the Jacksonville defense is really bad. So I like the Chargers here in a teaser leg. I think there are some other teams here uh, in the NFL this week that you could get uh, teased down as well. Um, 
I think teasers in the NFL can be really profitable as we've talked about um, before on the show. I don't think teasers in any other sport are a good idea, but I think the NFL teasers are, are very profitable. If you look at the right spot, I think this is a good one here where you get a chargers defense. that's much better than the other side. Obviously the chargers uh, also have the quarterback advantage with Herbert. So to me, uh, you take this from seven and a half down to one and a half and you tease it with something else. I think you have a really valuable play. Yeah, I think so too. And and frankly, I mean, at seven and a half, you know, as far as what my cha- my choices are going to be for the circuit this week, Chargers may end up being a play. I mean, Jacksonville is who we thought they were. You know, I know they had that, you know, performance in week one against the Colts, as you mentioned, but they got badly outgained in that one. And as it turns out, I mean, Phillip Rivers has, you know, made a season and, and pretty much a career of just backbreaking turnovers, losing close games, stuff like that. I think Jacksonville got very fortunate in that first game. And ever since then, it's kind of been downhill for them. The Chargers are a team that I think is building up a little bit. And you you play a team on the upswing in the NFL. I think that makes some sense. As far as teams to pair with the Chargers here in a teaser leg, uh, I know you said teasing some teams down kind of makes some sense. I also think San Francisco up from two to eight makes a lot of sense in a game with a very low scoring expectation. So that may be something I look at here, a teaser of San Francisco and the Chargers. But I think you and I, you know, look, if we had to, and I have to with having to find five games in the Circa, Chargers minus seven and a half does feel like a consensus opinion from us. Yes, and I I agree with you on teasing the 49ers up. Another one now, this one wouldn't fit uh, that well because of the high total, but I do wonder about teasing the Lions up from two to eight would make some sense. I think that Atlanta winning by margin uh, would be questionable there, but I, I agree with you. I think San Francisco teased up makes a lot of sense because of the really low total points at a premium there in that one. I don't think the Patriots win that game by a lot, so um, I like that one quite a, quite a bit as well. And yes, like you, if I were taking this game straight, I would also take the Chargers. Um, there was a seven at Bookmaker. I'm kind of kicking myself for not taking uh, Chargers minus seven. Uh, maybe we see it again. I know some people just want to grab the number here with Jacksonville. Hopefully this goes down to seven across the board, but at seven and a half, I still lean Chargers in this game. Well, of course, very important to line shop out there. You know, you got the legal U.S. betting market with a lot of different operators these days. So, you know, you have opportunities to see if you do wind up getting a seven. Uh, We'll talk more about teasers, I think, on next week's show, because there are some interesting things to discuss now with the fact that totals have gotten a lot higher across the board in the NFL. But this was a highlight video here on Jaguars and Chargers on our ATS radio broadcast with host Adam Burke and professional handicapper Kyle Hunter. Make sure you subscribe to our ATS radio broadcasts on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. Kyle, before we sign off, anything else you want to touch on here today? Um, you know, I, I think that uh, we kind of covered the fact that the NFL is a, a tough market this week. Um, I think, uh, you know, if, if people do want to hear something about the elections wagering for next week, you know, let us know one way or the other. I know there'd be some people that would immediately just say, I don't want to, I don't want anything to do with politics. I will say before I've said, I, I don't like politics at all. I just like elections. You know, I just want to make some money. So uh, maybe, maybe that could be a topic that we spend a little bit of time on next week. I think that would probably be Uh, I think there'd probably be enough people that would want to hear that. And um, I think there are edges to be had there. So uh, maybe we can throw that in next week since uh, next Wednesday will be what? Six days before the election. Kyle Hunter, professional handicapper and better over at huntersportspicks.com. What's going on over at the website right now, man? 
So mainly, uh, I'm just going to see if people can sign up for the free picks newsletter, though, there over there at huntersportspicks.com. I know some of you have already. Um, I've gotten quite a few messages from people who have appreciated getting that newsletter on the weekends. Um, you know, it's it's something where I'm going to give you a couple free plays on the weekends, uh, look at some uh, angles that might help you out. Uh, totally free. I'm also going to do some contests there. So sign up at uh, huntersportspicks.com. Also follow me on uh, Twitter at Kyle Hunter picks. Kyle Hunter, huntersportspicks.com at Kyle Hunter picks on Twitter. Always fun, man. I know we ran long, but we covered a lot of stuff here on today's show. Definitely enjoyed it. And uh, we'll talk to you again next Wednesday. Sounds good. Take care, man. There you go. There's Kyle Hunter, professional better and handicapper over at huntersportspicks.com. Coming up on our Thursday edition of ATS Radio, we'll chat with professional handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. More college football and NFL insights coming your way. Then Friday, my picks for week seven in the Circus Sports Million. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.